whenever you're feeling angry, upset, whatever, just think about what are you grateful for? Because it's impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited about today's guest, Alan Smithson. He is the co-founder of Metaverse Inc. And his life purpose is to inspire and educate people to think and act in a socially, economically, and environmentally responsible way. Alan makes tools for professionals, including Metaverse, a creation platform for the future of human communication, collaboration, commerce, and culture, which was featured in Forbes. The Mall, a 100 million square feet virtual retail and entertainment destination built on the Metaverse engine featured in VentureBeat. He's an investor and partner in Your Director AI automatic face tracking video switcher. Man, like, this guy doesn't know tech at all, right? He's been named one of the most prominent digital futurists to watch out for in 2022, a top retail influencer in 23. He's a proud father, business leader, TEDx speaker, podcast host. He co-invented the world's first touchscreen DJ system. He's done it all. And his family, not to be outdone, his 10-year-old daughter, Abby, invented sandals that leave a heart-shaped tan line on you called the Love Sandal. She's been featured in Inc. and won the top 20 under 20 at the age of 10. And of course, not to be outdone, his wife and co-founder, Julie, also runs XR Woman, the world's largest XR industry meetup for women. Okay, this is going to be a fun one, Alan. Welcome to The Daily Helping. The tech geek inside of me is just buzzing right now. This is going to be great. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard, for having me. I am thrilled to be here. It is, um, it's an honor and it's just super exciting, you know, getting to have a front row seat to the future of, of how we're going to build all of this technology and make sure that we do it in a, in a, a way that doesn't kill us all. I think that's what's so exciting because, you know, there's a, an article that comes out every other day referencing the Terminator franchise about how what we're billing or how what we're building is going to blow us all up and enslave us. So I'm glad that there is somebody on the forefront of this, you know, with ethics in mind and building things that actually help people. Uh, yeah. And why I'm also grateful you're here because we've never done this kind of an episode. There's so much in the media right now mm-hmm. about ChatGPT and the metaverse and you know, the you know, some of these big companies like Meta, how many billions of dollars? I think they spent like 10 or 20 billion dollars, you know, trying to build things out. And so people it often seems like a very, very small investment to build the next communication paradigm for humanity. Is that wild, right? And, and but these buzzwords are everywhere, right? AI, uh, learning language models, you know, metaverse. So, Alan, I, I'd love for you. Well, you know what? I'm going to pause that. 
I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't do this first. So one of the things that I always do that I, I do with everybody is I want to hear your superhero origin story. So how did you get put on this path? And then I want to do Metaverse AI, you know, 101. I'll go way back to the beginning. I, I have a degree in molecular biology, but at school, I learned how to DJ. I happened to live with a couple of DJs in my second year of university, and they taught me how to DJ. So when I graduated, I got a job as a pharmaceutical rep, and I did that, but I was DJing on nights and weekends just, you know, just for fun. And I ended up, you know, I, I left that job and, and then I went on to build a, another company. We've had a, 11 companies over the course of, of, you know, the last 25 years. Um, but one of the companies that just kept doing really well was our DJ business. And, you know, I was making more money on the weekends. And so we just like, okay, let's just do that. And then my kids were born and I wanted to spend more time with them. So I ended up DJing for like 20 years uh, while my kids grew up. So it was it was kind of awesome because they would go to bed and I'd go to work. And so in the morning I'd get up and, you know, spend time with them and they didn't really know I was missing. Um, so it was kind of the perfect job for that. And then um, in 2010, I saw this technology that uh, blew my mind. It was a giant see-through DJ board. You can Google it, an emulator DJ. Anyway, we um, uh, I ended up acquiring 51% of the company and partnering with the guy who made the software and we ended up building the world's first multi-touch application for the music industry. Uh, partnered with Microsoft, partnered with Google. We did all these amazing uh, events around the world. Um, you know, we had artists playing on it, like uh, you know Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park, um, Armin van Buren. Um, we worked with uh, Steve Aoki. It was in one of his music videos. So it was a super cool. Infected Mushroom. Like all these really cool artists using our our, um, our hardware and software around the world. And I got invited to Curiosity Camp put on by Eric Schmidt. And it's this camp in the middle of nowhere. It's a, literally you show up and, you know, and there's a, a Boy Scout leader there and he's got a sash and, you know, the little scarf. And then he hands you a tin cup and they fill it with champagne. So it's like the ultimate glamping experience. But it's investors and entrepreneurs and researchers all coming together to talk about the future. And I got to perform there. I played on my, my uh, emulator TJ, DJ system. And then afterwards, I went into this tiny dimly lit tent and a friend of mine, we sat there and they were doing demos of this thing. I couldn't really see that, you know, they looked like somebody was wearing headphones. They were pointing the other direction. My buddy goes in and he does the demo and he, he comes out of it and he looks at me. He's like, oh my God, like I've just seen the future. And he he's, you know, so that kind of set me up for my excitement. I went in there, put on this clunky VR headset. It was the Oculus DK1. It was the very first one, big, huge box glued to my head and big, huge headphones. And then they put me on uh, in an audience of uh, watching a concert by Beck. And he was on, you know, he's playing in front of me. And I'm, I looked up and I could see the ceiling and then somebody touched my shoulder and turned me around and I could see behind me. I could see full 360 degrees. I could see the people sitting next to me. I could see the artist. I could see everything. Like I was there. And then they hit a button and put me on stage next to Beck, like standing on stage. Holy crap. I was like, okay, well, I can't do this. I, you know, I've been a DJ my whole life. I've been on stages and very, very, very few people stand on stage. They just won't let you because it looks dumb having a bunch of people on stage. So being able to be on stage with an artist in a pair of glasses, I had this aha moment that this was going to be the future of human communication. And shortly thereafter, we sold the company and we started uh, what became Metaverse. We, we started a company called Shock Creative and then that became Metaverse. And Metaverse... Um, we changed the name in 2016. So if you think about, you know, everybody's just kind of coming on, catching on to the term metaverse now. Um, we named our company that in 2016, and we started building virtual augmented mixed reality solutions 
for businesses um, around the world from everything from you know Samsung to MasterCard to Microsoft. And we built all sorts of projects, almost 200 projects now. And then we acquired a technology. We merged a technology company with us back in 2019. And that became our metaverse engine, our platform. And then since then, we've built almost 100 projects for different businesses on the platform. And just recently, we're super excited to launch a public beta of the platform so that anybody can start building. And we we set the mission for that company uh, to be metaverse creation for everyone. And that's kind of how we got in this long uh, arc of this. But in between there, I, I had um, an interesting moment. My daughter, when she was 10 years old, invented sandals that leave a heart-shaped tan line on the top of your feet. You, you mentioned that in, in the bio, but it was super cool because everybody rallied around this 10-year-old kid. We had UPS help, help her out, sponsored her. Uh, the president of Aldo was coaching her. She built these shoes. She sold 3,000 pairs of shoes. It was an incredible experience. And I realized that kids, even at a young age, could be taught things like marketing, uh, gratitude, positivity, deep breathing, uh, because you know it's stressful having a business. Even if you're at 10 years old and everybody's supporting you, there's a lot of work to be done. There's early, you know, early hours. She went to the shoe show in Vegas. So all of these things together, I realized that we as a society, I mean globally, um, we teach people math, science, uh, you know, uh, ge- geometry, geography, but we don't really teach the soft skills that are going to be required in an age of exponential growth of everything due to AI, robotics, and technology. So that is really kind of what pivoted my mind to think, how can we build a new education system that reinforced the basic success principles of humanity? Um and deliver that through technology and how do we use the technologies that we're building for brands to sell more things to make people more successful and give people a better opportunity in life anywhere in the world. I'm so loving, I'm loving this. Um, I, I do. I want to ask, it's been on the tip of my tongue since you started talking about DJing. You had to have a cool DJ name, right? What was your DJ name? I had, uh, my DJ name was Pseudosonic. It means fake sound. Um, and so the problem was I used it for years and everybody spelled it wrong. Every single person. So I kind of got rid of it and just put my name. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. <laughs> I knew, I, I knew there was a name though. I think there, there always has to be. We um, also had Sofa Kings, um, because we're Sofa King awesome. Oh, uh, that. That's sweet. <laughs> so fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if that just triggered the explicit uh, language uh, checkbox or not for this episode, but um, we'll find out. We will find out. So let's let's in all seriousness, let's jump back now. Uh, metaverse. If somebody has heard the term, if somebody doesn't really know what this means, what are we talking about? What is what is sure. the metaverse? I think the easiest way to do it. I'll, I'll just share an image for anybody who's watching this, uh, but for people listening. The metaverse, to me, I look at it from a technology lens, right? We have the internet. The internet's got videos. The internet's got images. It has text, right? Um, but you typically couldn't own an asset on the internet until recently, until blockchain came along. So it's the internet plus uh, 3D. So being able to, to visualize in 3D, instead of just scrolling a website or watching a video passively, you're now going to be an active participant in that. So you're going to be able to walk into a website whether it's you know using like a game controller on a on a computer or your phone or even you know a pair of VR glasses, but you'll be able to go in, wander around, and you'll have autonomy to to move around in a website. So that's the 3D XR component of it. Then you have AI. You've got generative AI, natural language processing, all of these different technologies that allow you to 
interact with the computer in a natural way. And I think AI is really just kind of scratching the surface. You know, ChatGPT to me was the the tipping point. So November 30th, 2022, to me, was that AI tipping point where uh, this technology starts a revolution. And I think we're well into that. And we're seeing, you know, billions of dollars being invested in this. In fact, uh, some friends of ours, in-world AI, they do um, they do conversational AI for game avatars. So you can be in a game and talk to a, a non-player character, an NPC, and have a conversation with it, and it'll answer you. And you can give it backstories, and you can give it personalities and stuff like that. Uh, they just uh, raised um, $100 million, and they are the largest uh, funded gaming and AI company in the world right now. So that was super cool. That just happened yesterday. Um, and then the last part of the, the trilogy is really blockchain and being able to have digital ownership of places in the in the the web so maybe a digital land but also objects if you create a 3d object and you want to trade it to somebody or you buy it let's say you buy it on a platform and you want to trade it you should be able to own those things uh, as you know let's say nfts or non-fungible tokens um, but the idea of ownership of the digital landscape and this encompasses you know web3 nfts uh, DAOs, DAOs are distributed autonomous organizations. Um, but then you you kind of have this trilogy of XR, AI, and blockchain, plus the internet makes up the metaverse. So it's got obviously a lot of components, components that are very dynamic, that are changing at a rapid pace. So So now what, right? So let's talk about somebody listening to this or saying, great, what, what can I do on the metaverse? So sure. Let's, let's go there. I, I, I would say the easiest way to kind of think about it is uh, if you've ever played a video game like uh, Fortnite or Roblox, where you're not only able to uh, to go in there, but you can impact the world around you, right? So you're going in with friends. First of all, you're creating an avatar, and the avatar could be, you know, could be Spider Man or it could be looking like yourself. Doesn't matter. Um, for more business applications, you'll probably want to look like yourself, and you know, you'll tweak yourself, make you look, you know, a little taller, maybe. Um, but <laughs> You'll meet up in these virtual spaces uh, with friends and colleagues and get work done. And what this does is it gives you a more uh, immersive sense of space. And especially in VR, you can stand next to people, give them high fives and this sort of thing. But even on a desktop, being able to walk around a space and navigate it yourself, it really ingrains in your brain the ability to to uh, keep track of time and space and people learn it's been proven people learn a lot faster using three-dimensional or, or spatial computing uh, than than traditional videos and audio and text and so what we're doing with one of our clients a medical device company is we're training their teams on these devices so the medical devices are quite complicated and repairing them requires a giant thick you know PDF manual and you know too long a two week uh, long course. And so what we've been able to do is turn that into 3D and uh, really give um, these these uh, learners the ability to to um, to learn by doing, <laughs> and so by actually touching these things. And I think this it's super cool. And, and for the people watching, I'm going to show a quick demo. I'm basically showing uh, a three dimensional uh, view of an ultrasound machine that I can zoom in, zoom out. I can look at any angle. I can you know understand this. And then I'm going to click the overview button. And what you're seeing now is the ability to teach people about parts of this. Let's say I want to teach somebody about the convex array. It zooms me into the convex array and says, hardware, hardware overview, convex array. Abdominal transducers are curvilinear in footprint shape and in order to conform to the shape of the abdomen. Great. Okay. So you learned a little bit about that. You can also get really deep 
and like look at every single piece of this thing in fully exploded view right down to the screws, nuts, and bolts. And so now you can teach somebody how to repair, uh, replace, and use this complex piece of machinery without having to see it in person before. So you can really reduce the training times, increase training outcomes. So I think training is going to be one of the training and learning is probably the number one use case for this technology right now. Uh, and also people are looking at the industrial metaverse. What if we make a digital twin of a factory? I have a factory, I make a digital twin, meaning I just make a digital copy of it. You know, however I do that, I put it into a virtual world and now I can walk around the virtual warehouse. So instead of walking around the real factory, which may take me six hours to get from end to end, some of these where some of these factories are massive, I can now teleport to the places I need to see, see a, a report of you know what's going on in real time. I can connect the data from the factory back to the digital twin. And so what you're seeing is not only can you do that once a factory is built and operational, but you can do it to build the factory. So you can actually test, okay, if we put these 16 robots together and they're all moving around, do they hit each other? Do we need to move them one inch out? And so you can run these really complex uh, tests way before you've even built something. And this is decreasing times to, to development, times to building by 50, 60, 70%. This is nuts because after COVID, we had this work from home revolution, right? Like the question was, why do we go into the office? And the argument has been because you're still getting the interpersonal contact. People synergize better when they're in a room together. We know this, right? This is different, right? This is being in that room with your coworkers, yeah. While wearing a headset or even just looking or not, at your, or just or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So imagine like a giant Roblox game where everybody can participate. You can work on something together. Maybe you're a shoe designer and you want to you know, design a shoe together. Um, shoes are really a problem because you design them by yourself. Then you ship the, the or you send the file to, to China or Asia to be made. They make a sample. They ship it back. This is like a three-week process. And then you realize, oh, that didn't look the way I wanted it to look. I got to do it again. So they make a change, send it back. And this happens 10 times to make every shoe. So if you can do it real time where you're you're both interacting with the same virtual shoe and you can say, well, no, that's not going to work the way you want it to do. And you can do this. So they're doing it with cars. They designed a helicopter, Bell Labs, um, Bell Helicopters designed a helicopter in, I think it was something like six months where it normally takes three years to design a new helicopter because they were using VR. It's bonkers uh, how quickly... Uh, we can get things done. And now in an age of AI to everything, text to everything, text to video, text to audio, text to text, uh, it's soon text to 3D image. We'll be able to really just dictate, say, I want a room that is uh, you know, four meters by four meters by six meters high. I need it to be all white and look like a surgical suite. And I need uh, 10 surgical, um, 10 of the most common surgical uh, equipment pieces in there. And boom, it'll populate it and I can move it around and I can set it up however I want. So I think we're coming into an era where everybody will be a creator, whether you're the the trainer of you know a medical device company or the designer of a shoe company, everybody will be a creator in the metaverse. And that's the whole point. And this is why companies like Canva have done such well so well in the early days of kind of the creator economy. You know, you look at Photoshop, Photoshop was professionals, right? And you know, you could use it, you could do some stuff, but to to really unleash the power of Photoshop, you had to learn it. And it took a lot of time. Canva came along and said, well, you can still get that. Just use this template over here that we built. And so you grab the template and you're like, oh, all the things I need are there. Just change the wording, change the image. And boom, I got a poster or, you know, I got a marketing piece or I, you know, whatever. So 
I I can see this expanding far beyond, far beyond the business space. And of one course. of the conversations that a lot of people have been having with ChatGPT in particular, because for thousands of years, what was the greatest currency in humanity? It was knowledge, right? And people got paid. People were put on pedestals depending on what degree of knowledge they had. Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Are you, you know... You have more knowledge. You went to school for all these years. Knowledge asymmetry has been a great uh, win for those who were on the winning side of it. Uh, interesting point about that, uh, Dr. Richard. I was uh, listening to a podcast with um, uh, Joe Rogan and um, Mark Andreessen. And Mark Andreessen's a founder of A16Z, a, a virtual uh, a venture capital company. Very successful. The, the most successful VC capital company in the world. Um, and some of the things he was saying... I was realizing, oh my God, I already read that. I already knew about almost everything he said. And here's a guy with asymmetric knowledge base, right? He has a front row seat to all the best tech in the world. And yet, because of our, our global reach and uh, news cycles and how fast and quickly things and how distributed knowledge is, I already knew what he knew and what he shared. Maybe there's other things that he didn't share, obviously. But I, I think this is you know a really interesting point of humanity if we can tear down the barriers of of sex race and geography we can build a, a planet full of really successful people which brings up everybody and that's that's what i wanted to ask you about because i as you're at the forefront of this technology i wanted to ask you what you saw as what the new, the new educational paradigm what it's going to look like in implementation I think one of the things that um, is really uh, something that uh, it's hard to wrap your head around because what is the most important skill in an era of exponential growth in AI? And the to quote Noah Yuval Harari, the ability to keep changing, no single skill is safe. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges of our time is that we assume that robotics um, and AI would replace blue-collar workers. It turns out it's the opposite. It actually replaces white-collar workers and does so by a factor of a 1,000x. So I can generate, if I'm a, a brand and I need to generate um, photographs for my catalog, I can do so now with generative AI a 1,000 times cheaper than humans. Now, I still need humans to prompt and do the work but a thousand times faster. Uh, if I want to write text, I can do so a thousand times faster with ChatGPT. I can type in, write me a 5,000 word essay on X, uh, giving the following uh, you know, profiles and here's some, some articles to cite in it and it will write it all for me. So I think we're in a, an era of exponential growth of data, of knowledge, uh, of creativity. Um, but white collar work is going to be disrupted the most. And this is where we have focused most of our growth. So in a world of uh, exponential growth of everything, it's really going to come down to your ability to retrain fat quickly and also keep your head on your shoulders and things like practicing gratitude on a regular basis, um, you know, uh, positivity, mindfulness, um, surrounding yourself with great people, but also physical activity, exercise, um, you know, 
also being able to market yourself, being able to come up with new ideas, being able to execute on those ideas, being able to understand entrepreneurship and where you fit in that. You know, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. It takes a really strong stomach to to go in and, and do that. And 95% of all businesses fail. But what if there was a safety net there that let you do that? And what if there was a network that could help you be more successful? So I really think uh, a new education system needs to be kind of thought out and invented. We've been working on something in the background for many years to try to pull uh, some of the technology that we're building around the world to serve to serve this. Uh, but I think teaching resiliency and and perseverance uh, above all else um, is going to be the key we need. And teaching people how to learn things quickly, um, whether that's through watching a YouTube video, you can learn pretty much anything on a YouTube video. But finding that those uh, things may be tricky, and finding what you're good at and finding what you love. We use algorithms to to show you better shows to watch. And we use algorithms to show you uh, better products to buy. We're not using those algorithms to show you what things uh, that you should learn that really will enhance you and in your passions. And you're, but you're working on it. Yeah. That's so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to do it. I'm like, why isn't this a thing? (laughs) Somebody has to do it. So let me ask you this because it's, this this feels like there's a Game of Thrones element to this, where you're you've got your thing, Meta's doing theirs, Apple just you know made a big to do about their new headset that's coming to market, which is their own kind of virtual world. So, is there a place where all of these different companies can come together? Is everybody is it like the Wild West and everybody's just trying to kill everybody right now? Not only is it the Wild West, the good thing is nobody's trying to kill each other now. It's too early for that. Um, everybody's supportive. And in the the virtual augmented mixed reality uh, XR 3D world, gaming world, uh, the gaming's a little bit more cutthroat. There's a lot of money there. But the XR world, um, when we go to conferences, it's like going to a family reunion. It really is. We, we've been all working on this for you know nearly a decade. Um, nobody's given up. Everybody's you know just head down working on their thing. And then they come to the conference and everybody's you know hugs and love. Um, but what you will see is, you know, we don't have a standard for 3d. So if I take a photo, I take an image of us and maybe I send it to you as an SVJ or, a um, or maybe a, a PNG, but I can send you a photo and you can get it and you can open it. It looks exactly how I sent it. Right. So we don't have this for 3d yet. We've got so many different ways to send a 3d object. We've got OBJ, FBX, DAE, Collada files, BIM models, uh, you know, it list goes on and on. USDZ, uh, GLTF, these are all, you know, fall. so we haven't come to a standard yet. So there's a group called the Metaverse Standards Forum. It's about 3,000 uh, companies have come together and we're really trying to work out what do those standards look like? What does it look like interoperability? If I am in Fortnite and I want to transfer a file over to uh, to Roblox, can I do that? What does that look like? And, you know, those are both run on an app. So what does it look like when we have people, some people accessing the metaverse through an app, others accessing it through the web? And how do we you know, interchange that? And then how do we make the, the web an open standard for people to work on? Our metaverse engine is completely web-based. And that's why we built it that way, because the web to us is the ultimate unifier. If you're on the web, it can work on Azure servers. It can work on, uh, you know, AWS servers. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what your cloud infrastructure is. You can also access it from any device, whether you're on a smartphone, iOS, Android. You're on a tablet. You're on a, you know, Windows or or Mac. It doesn't matter. And so, the web to us is kind of the ultimate unifier. Now everybody's doing their own thing, but our system, our metaverse engine, is 
compatible with WebXR, which is becoming a standard. Even Apple said they're going to support it on the Vision Pro. Oculus already supports it. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more of these, uh, you know, ways to figure out how to make things on the web because the web is an ultimate unifier. So, Alan, we're at time. This has been an amazing amazing and illuminating discussion. I knew that it would be. As you know, I ask everybody who comes on my show just one question. That is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of advice that you would give somebody after they heard our conversation today? Sure. This advice was given to me uh, by a mentor of mine, um, a gentleman who who I've known for quite some uh, time, Don. He um, on top of practicing daily gratitude, which is essential for every human, uh, you have to do that. Man. Just whenever you're feeling angry, upset, whatever, just think about what are you grateful for? Because it's impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time. But the advice that, that Don gave me was, it was very simple and it stuck with me. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. Don't criticize, condemn, or complain. And if you really work towards that, of course, it's impossible to do all the time because we're humans. But if you actively do that and you work with your wife or your spouse or your friends to call you out when you do these things, when you complain, when you when you uh, you know uh, condemn somebody or, or you know these don't criticize, condemn or complain, I think is the the best advice I have I could give right now because it allows you to focus on you and not in um, the positives in your life, not the negatives, and that's where the real magic happens. Love that. Uh, Alan, tell us where people can learn more about you and what you're up to right now. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Um, You can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Alan, A-L-A-N, Smithson, S-M-I-T-H-S-O-N. You can also visit our our website, metaverse.com, spelled M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E.com. And if you want to sign up for the world's largest virtual mall, it is simply themall.io. Thank you. Oh, I love it. And uh, we'll have everything Alan Smithson in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Alan, I have loved our conversation. Uh, We have a lot of exciting things to look forward to in this space if we build it properly with ethics in mind. And I know you're doing that. So thank you for all that you do. And thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. Thank you, Dr. Richard. It's been such an honor. Thank you. And I also want to Express my gratitude to each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you liked it, if you felt good, if you learned something, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. Mm